Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This verse is super significant to what we're going to talk about today. Um, because one of the main things I'm going to go into is this concept that the World Mission Society Church of God teaches that there's different ages, that there's the age of uh, Jehovah, I think is what they say, you know, in the Old Testament, that in, and under his name we're saved. Uh, there's the age of Jesus Christ, and, and under his name we were saved in and, and his age, and then there's the age of Ong San Kong, um, who's second coming Christ, and, and, and his name now we're saved. So um, we're going to get into that in more detail um, in this video. Um, if you didn't watch the last video uh, we put out, what we're doing um, is right now I'm just going back to this conversation that I had about a year ago with um, some, some members of the World Mission Society Church of God who I ran into in a Walmart. And so um, we had a conversation that lasted for about an hour and a half. That video is up on YouTube that you can see. We'll, we'll put a link to that original video in uh, the description if you haven't seen the full video. But what we, we've started doing in the last uh, video is just kind of playing back through some of that audio, some of the key moments um, from that conversation. And, and I'm just kind of giving some thoughts about it, some comment, commenting on it, and, and then just giving a, a response to some of the arguments he gives. And, and I answered a lot of the things that he gave. But uh, again, like I said in the last video, um, there are some moments where I feel like um, I kind of just let him talk too much. Um, and, and I did that because I, I really just felt love and compassion for the guy. I just, I, I didn't want to just take over the conversation, but there were a lot of times where I would, I would, you know, I'd ask him questions. I'd bring up, um, arguments. I, I would, I would see holes in some of the, the, um, <clears throat> the arguments he was giving. And so I'd ask sincere questions and I'd bring things up to try to, try to say, well, what do you, you know, you're saying, you know, mother God is, is proved in Genesis. And so, well, what do you say about this? And, and how do you explain this? And, um, when I would do that, he would never answer my questions when I would ask him questions, um, and, and bring up contradictions to the doctrine he was, he was trying to teach. Um, you could, he, he just started to get angry at the end and he ended up in this conversation he ended up just walking away, um, getting mad. And he, it, it's interesting listening to this because I don't feel like I really gave him a, a good reason. He never really had a good reason to do that. Um, I was just simply asking honest questions. I was just bringing up verses that, that seemed just logically like they just, they just didn't fit with what he was trying to teach and trying to prove from the Bible. And whenever I would do that, he, it, he wouldn't answer. And then ultimately it just made him mad and he walked away and said he didn't want to argue. Although I don't, as I've listened, again, as I've listened to this conversation, I don't feel like we're arguing. I feel like it, it remained uh, calm and it, it was just a, a good conversation where I was trying to listen to him and um, I was hoping that he would listen to me. Um, but again, what I found in this conversation, it felt like he didn't really want to hear what I had to say. He was just interested in what he had to say. He was interested in getting his points across and, and, and proving something. And, and he didn't really care to hear my thoughts. And so, um, and that's fine. But, but what I, uh, 
wish I would have done more is is he he would cut me off a lot when I was trying to explain something when I was trying to to answer something he was saying he would just kind of jump in and start saying something else and and misdirect the conversation and so I wish I hadn't let him do that but um, uh, it's something I hopefully will learn from in in future conversations but I'm gonna jump back in and um, what we're gonna do is just I'm gonna jump back into a couple parts where again we're not going to listen to this whole conversation if you want to listen to the whole thing again there's a link in the description but it's a long combo so we're just going to listen to a couple um key parts that i wanted to pull out but ephesians was okay written. but but before uh, 100 a.d you see that's why according with the prophecies mm -hmm. is in every age is the same the age of the father it was father jehovah in the age of the sun, it was Jesus. Even Isaiah 43, verse 11. Yeah. I even am the Lord, and the prophet me, there is no saving. Right. Meaning Jehovah. So people still call him. So but I here's think, the deal is that Isaiah, you look at the Gospel of John, and John takes, so, so think about this. In Isaiah, there's verses directly about Yahweh or Jehovah. You can call him either one, right? There's verses that are about Jehovah, right? When, he, when, when Isaiah sees the glory of Jehovah and Isaiah in the first couple chapters. Mm -hmm. And then in John, the Gospel of John, John references that moment, but he says Isaiah said these things when he saw Jesus' glory. Well, there's a baby crying in the background there. Um, I hope that wasn't my kid. I don't think it was, but they were there that night. Anyways, so I, I, what he does here is he's bringing up the idea of the different ages. So he says there's the age of the Father, Jehovah, we're saved through only his name then. There's the age of the Son, Jesus. And then there's the age of Ong Song Hong is the ultimate implication of what he's getting at. Um, and then I kind of went a direction here that I wish I hadn't. I, I feel like I wasn't really um, on track with, his, with, with this argumentation that, that he was bringing at this point. Um, and so looking back now a year later, um, I think it's uh, this is a really cool thing that I was bringing up. I'm not saying it's, you know, not saying that to brag. It's just a really cool thing in the Bible where where you do what I'm explaining is that there's a, a place in Isaiah where Isaiah sees the glory of Yahweh. And it's just this glorious portrayal uh, and description of who God is and, and his majesty. And then later on, basically in the Gospel of John, John attributes that, he, he says that, that when Isaiah saw that, he was actually seeing Jesus. He was seeing Jesus' glory. And so that's, that's a really uh, interesting uh, uh, thing to pick up in the Bible and to, to dig into um, where we see that Jesus is obviously there um, uh, explained as being God himself. But I don't think that that, that argument, that, that bringing that up really answers this question of the different ages. It doesn't really, um, it's not even when I sat and thought about it, it's not even something that I think the world Mrs. society church of God would even disagree with. I think they would agree that yes, uh, uh, Isaiah did see Jesus's glory because they believe that Jesus and the father are the same God, that they're, they're one, they're not separate. And so, um, yeah, all that to say, <clears throat> I wish I would have responded differently to this. And so what I want to do here is do that. Um, so they're arguing that in different ages are different saviors. This is one of their um, the major uh, arguments that they have, one of their foundational teachings, um, I would say. And so the idea again is that 
right now we're in the third age. We're, we're, not, we're not in the age of the Son. We can no longer be saved through the name of Jesus. We're not in the age of the Father. We can no longer be saved through uh, the name Jehovah. We must be saved through the name Ong Song Hong. That is, that, that's the age we're in. There's so many problems with that biblically um, that are just very clearly, um, there's verses that just very clearly, very quickly dismantle that, that, uh, that doctrine. So let's look at Hebrews 6.20. Here's a really good one. And um, <clears throat> if you look at Hebrews, I, I, uh, several months ago, I just started reading through this book and I found, um, I counted it, I, it's in my other Bible. I wish I had it because I, I don't have uh, the notes that I took in, in this Bible, but um, it's multiple times, I think anywhere from 10 to 12 times where what I'm about to read is kind of repeated in different ways. So Hebrews 6, verse 20. Um, actually, let's go back to 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered on our, on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus, we're seeing the name Jesus referenced here, and what's being attributed to God using that name Jesus is that he is a high priest forever, um, for all time. Um, what this means, what, what this says is that there wasn't an end to the age of the sun. Now, I don't think there's any biblical basis for this concept of the ages. Um, there's there's measures of revelation that we have of God where in the Old Testament, we didn't have the full re revelation yet of who Jesus is, but but we're still saved by the same God. And and uh, we, we can still, people can can call out to Yahweh, to can pray to Yahweh God, and, and there's nothing wrong with that today. Um, but what this says is that Jesus remains, he, he's become a high priest forever. What that means is that there's no end point to, to, uh, to Jesus's, um, that, that name to its, its, its time period where it's capable of saving. That Jesus is, is he was a high priest um, in, 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 you know, 20 AD uh, or, or, or when the gospel first started going out and he's a high priest today. Um, there's, there's no end to that because it's forever. Um, Hebrews 7, let's see, um, we see it again, Hebrews 7.20, um, it says, and it was not without an oath, uh, others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Um, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Um, and then he goes on. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. So Jesus lives forever and he, Jesus has a permanent priesthood. What this means is that there's not been an end to the time frame in which the name of Jesus can save you. Uh, there is only one name under heaven by which we can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. And we see that said over and over. Again, like I said, you see this repeated in Hebrews, this concept repeated multiple times. Again, I think it's like 10 to 12 times where the word forever or all time is used. Uh, and here we have the word permanent. So if, if the priesthood of Jesus Christ is permanent, that means it has not ended. It didn't end with the coming of Christ, Ong Song Hong, and now it's his, it's Ong Song Hong's priesthood, and through him, uh, he, he's, you know, our great high priest through which we, we, uh, we find 
forgiveness and reconciliation. If that's true, then that makes these things that Hebrews says not true. Um, but that can't be the case. That would mean that the Bible contradicts itself, and that's not that's not true. The Bible is truth, and so what it says here is that Jesus lives forever, and and it says he has a permanent priesthood. This is a priesthood that does not end. So there's not an age. There's no there's no ages here. We don't see that in the Bible. We see that concept actually directly contradicted. Um, let's look at another one. Um, Hebrews 10, 12, it says, but when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Um, and so another translation, when Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. All time. What Jesus did is, is effective uh, for all time. That means... Um, both in the Old Testament and when Jesus came, and now today, uh, we are saved through Jesus Christ. Um, and so there has not been a replacement of the name of Jesus by which we must be saved today. If that was true, these verses would not be true. And they couldn't, the things that they're saying would have to be false because it's, it's specifically using the name Jesus, it's specifically referencing Jesus Christ, and it's explaining over and over that what he is, who he is, his priesthood, his ability to save is for all time. It's for, his priesthood is forever. It's permanent. All these words that, that convey this idea that it's going to continue forever. So it's whatever concept you have of, of Ong Song Hong, that there's any salvation in him, well, Jesus just goes on forever and he pushes that right off the table. And so there's no, there's no room for that here. Um, I think there's one more here. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, he, it's referencing Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So that leaves no room for a need for Ong Song Hong because what Jesus has done, it's made, he, he's made us perfect. Those who draw near to God through Christ, through the name of Jesus, God makes them perfect forever. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a permanency to who Jesus is and salvation in his name. Um, I have a, a couple more thoughts. I'm just going to listen through a little bit more of this conversation to see if he, he brings up anything else about that. You see, when they talking about Jehovah, what letter is this? L-O-R-D, right? Right. Yep. I mean, uh, Jesus, right here, Jesus. But if you go in the Old Testament, look at this. Lord, yep. So what is the difference? These letters of these letters. What is the difference? Well, it's a different word. Probably there's a different word being no, used. No, 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 no. Letters. letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, letters. these are capitalized. Exactly. Right. Where is the capital letters in here? Or not? No. So that means in the Old Testament, Jehovah Lord is with the capital letters but the in regular letters okay is what that means so that means from the beginning of matthew they started talking about jesus that's why but nobody knows him right uh, okay knows. I, I, yeah so uh, even i even listening back through i'm not entirely sure what what his point was um i guess i need to think through more i don't i don't get what what 
he's proving with saying that, you know, in the Old Testament, you see these capital letters that, that are given when whenever, I think it's the word, you know, Yahweh is, is brought up. We put in capital Lord. I don't really get what his point is, but something to notice and to, to think about um, that I, I realized in this conversation and that I realized whenever I've, I've talked to a World Mission Society Church of God member that is trying to make this argument for the different ages is they just kind of assume it. They don't, they don't really give that. I mean, it's kind of like all their arguments. It's just this really vague uh, usage of different uh, random scriptures that don't really prove what they're saying. Basically, they just kind of assume it. They just, it's, it's kind of a, just an argumentative, uh, an argument. Uh, it's basically just a philosophical fallacy. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, it's a fallacy uh, that doesn't, uh, yeah, it just doesn't work because um, they're just assuming that there's these different ages and, um, and and the whole the whole context behind what they're trying to get across just doesn't make sense. Um, one uh, verse that uh, I think really kind of just hits this whole concept um, out of the water and just kind of removes any chance of it being true. Um, let me see if I can find Philippians two. This is what, what I opened up with reading. Um, I want to go here now. So, so again, this idea that today we cannot be saved through the name of Jesus, that, that God is now operating under a different name, and only through that name, Ong Song Hong, can we be saved. <clears throat> well, again, let's look at Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names. So what name is he talking about here? That at the name of Jesus, so he's talking about the name Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's significant about this is this is, I think, very clearly and obviously uh, an end times reference. This prophecy has not come to pass. Like every, every knee has not bowed. Every tongue has not confessed to God that he is Lord and, and submitted to him and, and, and confessed the truth of who he is. That hasn't happened yet, which means it's going to happen in the future. Now think about this. If this still is yet to happen, what that means is that at some future point, when this happens, the name that people are going to be confessing and, and worshiping and bowing to, and conf the, the name they're going to be confessing as Lord is the name Jesus Christ, not Ong Song Hong. And so that means that, that the age of Jesus, if, there, if you can even use that terminology, which I wouldn't even say that, um, is just kind of a made up concept that doesn't uh, hold up to actually actual biblical scrutiny. When you actually compare it to the, what the Bible says, it just doesn't it doesn't work, because um, the name of Jesus still is the name by which we're saved. Um, there's never a point in the Bible where it says the name of Jesus. Uh, we we come to God. He's the Savior. To an extent, but there will be a time and, and, and place where that won't work anymore, where there's a new name by which you must be saved. Um, if that was true, again, this, this verse here that we're looking at could not be true because this is saying that in the last days, when the time comes, when, when Christ returns, when this happens, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This has not happened yet, which tells us it's going to happen in the future, which tells us that 
God is still, is still the name Jesus Christ through which people are saved and, and the name of Jesus Christ that people will bow to and worship and, and confess him as Lord. Um, so let's jump ahead. We just, just a couple more things I want to look at. We're going to jump a little bit farther ahead in the, in this conversation and listen to some other points here. You see, according with the Bible, that was Jesus is a mystery. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's for sure. He is the big mystery of the Bible. You know why? Because nobody can understand how Jesus spoke to the people. Remember? How Jesus. Okay, so this this is kind of a side point um, that I wasn't really planning on talking about that, but but that is an interesting thing that he said, where he said Jesus is the big mystery of the Bible, which is not what I think they actually believe. Like they don't say that, and and I know he he, he might have been saying exaggerating a bit more than than what he was, um, you know, going beyond what he was actually trying to convey. But but I know that their their idea is that Mother God is the big mystery of the Bible. Um, and they kind of have to say that because the Bible um, is just absolutely silent about her. So, um, but yeah, he, he was kind of saying that Jesus is, is the big mystery, which I, I don't think they really, like that doesn't really seem to, to line up with what they actually believe. Um, the Bible is clear that Jesus is the mystery. And whenever it talks about, um, the Bible is clear that Jesus is the mystery. And whenever it talks about there being a mystery, um, it's it's pretty clear that Jesus is the mystery of God, and it and you know places like Colossians will actually just plainly say that. And you share in the tree of life. Yep. And what else? Holy city, which are destroyed in this <clears throat> world. Mm -hmm. So that means uh, if we take some off or add something, God will. Absolutely. Punish. So obedience is huge, right? Yes. Yes. The so, minutes. Yep. yep. What do you, uh, do you keep, what day do you keep, like, holy? Example. One example. Well, Romans 14 says that to, to each one, the a day, one day might be more important to them than the other, but let it be established in that own person's heart. And so, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're talking here about salvation. We're talking about how a person is saved, what a person has to do to be saved, to be forgiven by God. And he brings up one. He brings up obedience, which obviously, yeah, we we agree. We you know, obeying God um, is is huge. But I think what starts to get twisted is when we um, uh, what in what order we put salvation. Do we put um, works and and uh, you know doing things first, and then after we do enough, and and we we you know check off this list that then we can say we're saved, then we get God's approval, or is it, or is it faith? Uh, we believe, we trust in God, and, and through that, um, God forgives us freely, and then that motivates us to obedience that's true from the heart, rather than obedience that's trying to earn something from God. So in this conversation, what he's doing here is he brings up Sabbath day. He brings up, you know, he asks, what day do you worship, basically? What day do you go to church? Um, and so if you run into these guys anywhere, this is probably most definitely something that they will bring up to you. Um, this is one of their big things that they jump to immediately is they'll say Christians believe that, you know, Sunday is the day to worship and, and, uh, and they'll kind of go off on that. The thing about that 
um, guys, is that, you know, if you're a member listening, like I, to me, um, it doesn't matter if you're worshiping on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, like there's no, uh, there's no set day that is more holy than another for those who are in Christ. Um, there's a new, uh, we're, we're under a new covenant where, where, uh, you know, even the new Testament will say that the Sabbath was, you know, Colossians was a, a shadow of things to come. Um, and that, so the keeping Sabbath on a certain day on a Saturday was actually a shadow of a greater, more perfect, more full reality. So what is that full, perfect reality, reality, um, of the shadow of Sabbath? Well, that reality is Christ himself is what Colossians will say. Um, he's the substance. And so it's actually a relationship with Jesus is the fulfillment of that, that keeping Sabbath on a certain day, keeping Sabbath on a certain day in the old Testament was a, a picture, like uh, uh, it was, uh, yeah, a shadow that that now today for those in Jesus in relationship to him, every day Jesus is our Sabbath, that Jesus Christ himself is our Sabbath day. You could say he is our Sabbath rest because he has accomplished salvation for us. What that means for us is that we no longer have a part to play in saving ourselves. We don't have to do things and work and strive, which is um, slavery. Rather, we can come and rest in Jesus by faith and know that God accepts us freely by faith before we do anything. Um, and then what that does is motivates uh, uh, obedience, and it also produces a an attitude, a, a heart and mind of peace and rest before God. And so Jesus, our relationship to him, has become our Sabbath rest. It's not a specific day. It's Christ himself and the freedom and peace and rest that we have in him. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Um, and then Hebrews, which I, I come to bring up here, Hebrews talks about rest so much. And so, you know, we have one of the primary services, church gatherings that we have is on a Saturday. And so... Um, a lot of times, like these guys don't even act like they don't, they just kind of assume, oh, you're, you don't believe in the world and society. So that means you don't keep the Sabbath. You don't, you know, you observe Sunday or, or church on, on Sundays. And, and that means you're disobeying God. You're not keeping the right day. And, and all that is just um, so secondary. And, and, and there's so many assumptions too that come from that because they don't even know that we actually go and gather together with believers on Saturday. And so um, a lot of times they, um, you know, I'll say that to them, but, uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things that they seem to kind of just want to throw at people and, and say, oh, you, you, uh, you don't keep church. You don't, you don't keep Sabbath on Saturday. That means you're in disobedience. You're not following the truth. And, and it's just not, it just doesn't work. It's just not a good argument. Um, and so let's listen to what I what I say here. Yeah. And so so uh, Hebrews describes Jesus as being himself my Sabbath rest. And so I don't have a particular day that I, I consider to be a more holy day than another day. Well, you, um, you keep the whatever she said, right? Oh, no. Well, you don't. Yes. Right. I seek to follow Jesus and obey his words. Correct. What is it? What is it? She said right there. Verse one. What is in the top? Jesus is the right. Word. Well, that's a title. That's not scripture, okay, by the this way. Is but not yeah. Title. Let's see. Okay, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Right. Do you follow that too? In what way? It, in the way the Bible said. I would say I do, right. according to Hebrews, right? Because 
So he's asking, do I follow the Sabbath? And so, yes, yes, I do keep the Sabbath. Um, and any Christian who's following Jesus and, and walking by faith in God, they absolutely keep the Sabbath. They keep it in the true, fullest, most uh, ultimate way that you can, which is by walking in a moment-by-moment -moment faith relationship with God. That's why in 1 John, John uh, repeats multiple times, he says, abide, you know, abide in Jesus, abide in him, remain in him. That itself is keeping the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath means that you keep your mind and your heart in a position of faith and childlike reliance on God as your provider, as, as your means of righteousness, as your means of salvation. And you release, you, you, you turn from, you repent from your, your attitude of self-focus, self-reliance, self-trust, and unbelief. That is the fulfillment of, of what it means to keep the Sabbath. That is resting in, in God. And so <clears throat> they, they kind of keep going back to this. And so what ultimately they do is they talk about, you know, that the commandment, one of the commandments is the Sabbath. But there's so many other things in the Old Testament law that were commanded that, uh, that the world and society doesn't keep. And so it seems a little bit hypocritical that they use the Old Testament command of keep the Sabbath and say, see, we still have to keep the Sabbath today on Saturday because it said it back in, in, uh, in the Old Testament. But yet they don't keep so many other of the commands and the rules that are laid out in the Old Testament. That to me is hypocritical. Um, and so, yeah, let's, I, I go to Romans 14. I want to bring that up in a minute, but let's just keep listening. Today, if you hear his voice, right? He talks about there's a rest, there's a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. The book of Hebrews explains that Jesus himself, the person of Christ and his work on the cross, it is finished, right? It's done. There's no more work left for me to do. So, so I would say I do, I do observe that through faith in Christ is the way I moment by moment, day by day, observe the Sabbath. The true Sabbath. So Colossians, Colossians 2 says that it talks about don't let anybody judge you. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but one more thing about this before we go on. So it says Colossians 2, it says don't let anybody judge you for according to uh, uh, what you eat or drink or, or regarding religious festival, new moon or a Sabbath. These things are a shadow of the things to come, he says, but the substance or the reality is Christ. So the, sh the, the, the Sabbath day of the Old Testament, right? The New Testament looks at that and it tells us clearly that the observance of the Sabbath on Saturday, that that was actually a shadow looking forward to a future uh, reality. And the Bible says that reality is actually Christ. And so so I'm great with like anybody observing Saturday over another day. I think that's, if you have faith to do that and you have a conviction to do that, that's good. My challenge would be, uh, again, I think what you're gonna present to me, because uh, I'm, I'm fam pretty familiar with what you guys believe, but I know what you guys would, I'm not sure if I, I think I said the reference, but that was Colossians 2.17 that I brought up where it's talking about, um, he says, let no one, or Colossians 2.16 and 17, let no one judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a feast, a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the, the body or the reality, the substance belongs to Christ or is Christ. So again, 
this this law this old testament law this old covenant law of keeping the sabbath on a saturday that was actually a shadow it wasn't the full reality that god intended that that was the way where we would observe sabbath for the rest of time but rather that was a shadow that was looking forward to a the, the fulfillment of something the shadow is not the real thing um you don't want to if, if you're focused in on, on like, keep the Sabbath on Saturday, and that's my means of, of staying in a right relationship with God. If that's what you're doing, you are focused in on a shadow when the reality, the one who's casting the shadow is standing there saying, no, that's, don't focus on that. Come to me. I'm the, I'm the fulfillment of what the Sabbath was meant to be, which is rest and peace. And you can only find that in the substance of you can't find that in the shadow. You can only find that in Jesus Christ, the person of him, and not in the observance of, of Sabbath on a specific day. What's meant to me is that actually I need to keep the Sabbath on a certain day to be saved. Right? According with the Bible, you see, we don't read exactly, we read, I mean, everything according with the Bible. Right, yeah. That's why we cannot say anything of, of our own self, like on our own mind. No. I no, agree, no, yeah. No, no, no. Dangerous, yes. No good, yes. no good. Because our humans, we are sinners. Yep. And, uh, even when we gather in the body of our mother, we are sinners. Mm -hmm. The Bible's telling us that we, we come in from heaven with a sin. Yep. So that means we living in the heavens before the, before we get here. You know that? That I think that'd be a different topic. But can I get? Can I? Yeah, I'm not sure where he was going with that. I'm not familiar with that part of their belief. But that was a little strange. And off topic. Um, but Your yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it didn't really have much to do with what we were talking about. And you, I know you had a thought too. I don't want to. I want to hear what you had to say as well. I'm, I'm sorry again. I kind of cut you off. I just wanted to finish my thought. So, Genesis. So, so there's multiple times through here where I brought up Romans 14 and I brought up Colossians 2, where where it references the Sabbath. But when referencing the Sabbath and and keeping specific days and setting them apart as holy, Paul actually says like, don't judge each other based on on whether or not you're you're observing certain days as more holy than others like that's that that way of walking before god is actually elementary he, he'll say like it's actually the elementary principles of the world it's it's like going back to kindergarten when god has already moved us past that that kindergarten stage of keeping keeping sabbath on days and observing certain days He's taken us past that elementary level and brought us into higher levels of education uh, in himself, which is, again, this reality that Jesus fulfills that. Um, and so I brought up I brought up Romans 14 um, that really talks about that, talks about not judging your brothers or sisters for whether they are or are not observing certain days. Um, and, and they didn't, they never replied to that. They, he, he never offered a response to that. That was one of the things that he just, um, he would change the topic or he just would ignore when I'd ask him about it. You see, that, that's why you look, that's why you see, you don't believe in our mother, right? Right. Look what they said. Yep. Can you read the whole thing? Did you have, did you have something or should I look at this? So, people say they go to church on Sunday, right? So some people, I mean, I go to the, the community I'm in goes to church Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights. There's actually a church here Saturday night that 
the main service of my communities is tonight. It's on a Saturday. And so, so, so for, I would say where we come from is that it's not about the day it's on. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not, we don't say you have to do it on Sunday. I don't know anybody. What does it? What did the Bible say? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Exodus, Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Uh Uh-huh. Six days you should labor and do all your work. And by the seven day by the seven days the Sabbath to your Lord your God. Only you should not do any work, neither your son, your daughter, your male, your female servant, your animals, nor your foreigners beside in your town. Yeah. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and that's all in them. Yep. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Yep. So this is a commandment. Mm-hmm. So if this is a commandment and God telling us to keep this, even Jesus kept the commandment. Yes, it is a commandment. Keep the Sabbath. And it's something that holds true today. But it's, the question is, what what does that look like today? It, now that Christ has come and brought a new and better way. Um, and it, actually, that, that reminds me of a verse that I want to find real quick. Um, so Hebrews 9.10, that says... Uh, it's talking, about, it's talking about Old Testament regulations and rules. It says they consist only in food and drink and special washings, external regulations imposed. That word there is key. External regulations imposed until the time of reform. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made by hands and is not of this creation. Okay, so then um, you're, you're seeing in that, that other verse where it's, it's talking about the old way of doing things. It's basically saying like that was, that was for a certain time, for a certain purpose. Ultimately, it was meant to point us, the Old Testament rules and regulations were to point us to a more full and complete reality. So Hebrews 10.9, um, he's referring back to Psalm 40, I believe, and it says, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor did you delight in them, although they are offered according to the law. Then he adds, here I am, this is Jesus, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. Okay, so, and I know in in some sense they would agree that there is a new covenant, but what Jesus has done is, is, yes, there's that commandment to keep the Sabbath on Saturday, but Jesus has done away with that old way of doing things, the old way of keeping the law as a, a, on the basis of rules and written, a written code. And he's brought, actually, he's given us new life. Like now it's his spirit that comes in us and inspires, it inspires obedience, it inspires love, it inspires um, um, righteousness. And ultimately what, what in relation to the Sabbath, what it does is it produces in us rest. It produces in us a, a true ability to keep the command of God's Sabbath by resting in, in Jesus, not just on one day, um, but every day. And so they're so focused on on Saturday, like keep it on Saturday. Well, I say like, why, why limit it to one day? Like keep, keep the Sabbath every day. For a believer, for, for somebody who, you know, for, for my community, for Christians, it, it's not about like, we go even further, I would say, like they keep trying to ask and, and they're trying to like corner me and say, well, you, do you obey? Do you obey Jesus's words? Do you obey all his words? Jesus commands to keep the Sabbath. Do you obey that? My answer is yes. And I believe, like I say this, not, not uh, in a mean way, but just in what I think is true. I think I obey the Sabbath more than they do, more fully, more completely, and even 
um, more as far as quantity of time. Because to me, obeying the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath and obeying that commandment is not about doing it on one day and then then you're good. And then you just got to do it the next week and do it the next week. Um, and it's just kind of the saying, this rule that you have to keep, but it's every day, every moment we're, we're learning to abide in Jesus by faith. And that is the fulfillment of this command of God to keep the Sabbath. So he's asking, do you keep this command of God? My reply is yes, we keep the command to obey the Sabbath, to, to keep the Sabbath. Yes, we do. We follow the Sabbath. Um, and so um, that would be my reply here. I don't, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't as firm on that as I wish I would have been in this conversation. Right. Even after Jesus crucified, his apostle kept the command. Okay. So. This is a quick, a quick thing he just said. He's saying Jesus kept the command and the apostles kept the command. Uh, they kept Sabbath, you know, even after Jesus was crucified and rose. And um, and so what he's referencing to is, is different places in Acts. And I'm not going to get too deep into it, but there's places in Acts uh, there's places even in the Gospels where we see jo Jesus going into the temple and keeping the Sabbath, and that's fine. And the reason why he was keeping the Sabbath is because the he was he was still operating under the old covenant law, uh, under the old covenant way. And so yes, the 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 way to do that was to keep Sabbath on Saturday. So let's go past Jesus's death and resurrection into the Book of Acts. Um, we there's places where we see Paul going into the temple on the Sabbath, and and we see. Uh, the apostles going into the temple on the Sabbath. They go to this all the time to say, see, Paul Paul kept the Sabbath. He was keeping that command. And that's just not, that's not a good argument at all because when you, when you see those places in Acts where Paul's going into the temple on Sabbath, what he's doing is he's going into deba uh, to debate and to prove from the scriptures who Jesus is, to go in and, and um, encounter Jews and to preach the gospel. Um, and so the description of Paul keeping the Sabbath, it doesn't say, and Paul made sure to keep the command of observing Sabbath on Saturdays. The reason Paul went into the temples on Saturdays, I don't think was primarily to keep the Sabbath because he felt he had to do that in order to be obedient. He did it because he knew that on the Sabbath, that was the day when most Jews would be in the temple. And he wanted to reach the most people he could, the most, the most, uh, the largest group of Jews he possibly could at the same time. Well, when was the best time to do that? On Sabbath. Where was the best place to do that? In the temple. Why? Because the Jews who were still trying to operate under that old covenant law were still going into the temple uh, um, on on Saturdays, try, uh, keeping that that Sabbath according to the old covenant way. Paul was going in because he knew that's where he could reach the most Jews at the same time with the gospel. And so he would go in on Saturdays, not because he felt he had to do that to keep a command and, and to be saved and to earn salvation from God, not at all. And the way we know that is because we see in Romans 14, we see his own writings about what his thoughts are on keeping Sabbath on Saturday and on keep observing certain days. If you were to ask Paul, what do you think? Do we have to observe certain days? Is it important to God or is it not? Well, he told us. Paul told us in Romans 14. He told us in Colossians 2. He tells us in Galatians multiple times. He says in, in Romans 14, again, don't judge your brother about whether you're observing certain days is more holy than others. Colossians 2, he says, let nobody judge you according to Sabbath, according to a Sabbath day, whether a person is keeping it on a Saturday or not. He says, whether you are or not, is is beside the point. It's not the point. 
The point is, are you walking in faith in Christ that is producing love for, for your neighbor? That itself is the fulfillment of the law. Whether or not you are observing Sabbath on a certain day on Saturday, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, if you want to do that, is, if that you feel is something, you feel a conviction that you want to do that to honor the Lord, that's great. And Paul says in Romans 14, that's good. Do that. But when you move to the point that these guys, the World Mission Society, Church of God moves to, and you say you have to keep Sabbath on Saturday or you cannot be saved, what that is is preaching a false gospel. What that is is saying Jesus is not enough to save you. You have to do your part too. And that is, that's actually a direct contradiction. And that's the worst disobedience you could, you could have of the Sabbath. That is direct disobedience to the true fulfillment of keeping the Sabbath. When you're telling people, do this thing, observe this, this certain day, and that is something that is helping you attain salvation. When you're doing that, what you're saying is Jesus himself and faith in him is not enough. He's not enough to save you. And so you must do this also. Well, faith in Jesus and a simple reliance on him is the ultimate fulfillment of the Sabbath. It is that alone that gives the human soul, the human heart, the human mind rest and peace. True Sabbath rest is, is when we realize that God has given salvation and righteousness as a free gift. Now, if you move past that and say, yes, it's a free gift, it's grace, but also you have to do these things to add to that, to maintain it, to, to make you more spiritual, more righteous. When you do that, you are in direct contradiction to the Sabbath. You are directly uh, disobeying God's command to keep the Sabbath because now the ultimate fulfillment of the Sabbath is faith abiding in Christ, uh, which produces in us a, a place of uh, hope in our hearts uh, and God's promises and rest in our souls. And, and when we're in that position, when we have that attitude of mind and heart, it, it, it enables us to love. And what, what does Jesus say about love? What does Paul say about love? Well, he says that love is the fulfillment of the law, that all the law is fulfilled in this one thing, love your neighbor as yourself and love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The question I so wish in this conversation I would have asked these guys is this, if all of the law is fulfilled in this one thing, which is love, then that means that if I'm, if I, I'm putting my faith in Christ and it's producing in me a love for my neighbor, a love for my wife, a love for my, my, the, the people I'm working with, the love for the people I pass on the street, if it's producing a genuine love for others, Paul and Jesus, the New Testament, uh, tells me that in that one thing, that, that action of me having love in my heart, that is fulfilling the whole law. If I'm fulfilling the whole law, well, I'm also fulfilling the command to keep the Sabbath. So here's the question. Can a person not keep Sabbath on Saturday, now in Christ, now that we're in Christ, he's brought this new covenant. Can a person abstain from keeping Sabbath on Saturday? But what if they, that person who's not keeping Sabbath on Saturday, they still have, they're walking in faith in Jesus. They have love in their hearts. They have genuine love for others. Are they, or are they not fulfilling the whole law? Well, biblically, yes, they're fulfilling the entire law without keeping the Sabbath. Do you see how that works? You see how Jesus, the New Testament, has so simplified 
what salvation is, what the gospel is. And this is, this is why we're so passionate to make these videos and to talk about this stuff because the World Mission Society Church of God, these people have a zeal for God, they do. They have a zeal for truth. Uh, well, I won't say truth. I, 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 don't, I wanna be careful how I say that, but they, they have a zeal for God. And many of them, I think, really genuinely believe they have the truth and that they have the true gospel. But the, the problem is they don't. They have a gospel that produces fear, it produces burden, it produces a slave worker's mentality that is anti-gospel. It's everything that Jesus came to get rid of, to set us free from. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest. How can you get rest under the system of the World Mission Society, Church of God? These guys are, uh, you know, they're, they're teaching their members that you have to keep Saturday Sabbath. They're exhausting them. They're, you know, I, I'm hearing these stories all the time of people who are just exhausted by, by, uh, by keeping Sabbath and, and, and making sure they're witnessing. You know, they have to go out and witness every night and all these things, these rules that if they don't keep in check all these different, these different areas, they can't be saved. Like it's, it's, salvation relationship to God is based on keeping all these things in order and making sure you're doing all this stuff. It's just work, work, work. And then hopefully that's going to turn into, you know, God blessing me. It's a works based salvation. It's I will do, I will work. And then hopefully God will give me something in return. It's a, it's an employee, employer, slave, uh, slave master relationship with God is what the world Mission society Church of God teaches, um, and that's just not the gospel. The gospel says there is, it is by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's not of yourself. It's not, this gift of salvation does not come from you, from your observance of Sabbath, from your, your witnessing enough. You need to get that, that, that burden. I want, I hope you guys can get that burden off your back. God is not waiting for you to, to do enough before he says, I bless you. I will give you salvation. You are my son or my daughter. Uh, you have righteousness. You're accepted. You're good enough. He doesn't wait for you to do things. Rather, he says in, in Romans 5, that it's while we are still weak that Christ died for us. It's while we're weak before we've done anything that God accepts us and loves us and embraces us and forgives us. And so um, all, all that to say, all the law is fulfilled. And when we realize that, when we realize that God loves me, we love because God first loved me. And what that produces in us is love, rest in our souls, love in our hearts for people. And that is the fulfillment of the whole law, including keeping Sabbath. So you can have that operating. You can be walking in that way before God of love, faith and love. And what that means is that you are keeping, you are fulfilling the ultimate purpose of the command to keep the Sabbath without observing, having to observe it on a certain day. Because you can walk in that, not just on Saturday, but every day, every moment. One day or another, don't let anybody judge you. And then in Galatians, he he's actually talking about the Galatians were steering away from the true gospel, right? Would you? That's the point of Galatians. They're moving away th from the true gospel. And in Galatians, uh, I, I think it's two or three. He says you observe days and months and seasons and years. And he says I'm afraid for you that I've labored for you in vain. So he's actually saying when a person actually starts to commit themselves to observing certain days in order to attain salvation, he says what you're actually doing is moving away from the true gospel 
And so, so I'm just, I'm just well, asking you look, guys. Look, let, let me, let me. Yeah. We're not gonna agree with nothing of this, okay? So, yeah. So there, there you see it. Well, let's let's just finish so this. What he says. Um, if you wanna study, you know, uh, the Bible with us or share the message, come over, come over. Uh, in that that was one of the key parts where um, I brought up I brought up an issue I brought up a hole in what he was saying I brought up scripture that contradicted what he's saying and you heard what he did he just said well we're not going to argue we're not going to debate he, I, I was asking just clear genuine questions from the Bible and he just he went the other direction he just kind of ran away from it he he just would not answer um, that tells me he did not have an answer he did he didn't know what to do with the things i was asking him which just shows that there's uh the the this doctrine he was proclaiming was just empty there's not real sub biblical substance to it there's not real evidence to it there, there's nothing that really backs it up when you start to peel back what they're saying you'll find it's empty and it doesn't have a real basis biblically um, we can show you all the prophecies indicates who is God the mother in the last days. According with the Bible, if you do not receive God the mother, you cannot be safe in this world. It doesn't matter what you said. Yeah. Especially so, so like Okay, so he said if you don't if you don't receive God the mother, you can't be saved. What I would just say to that and and uh at like looking back on that now and I, I can't remember how I reply here, but very simply Again, going back to the two videos me and Jesse recently made, Jesus says, you are complete in Christ. You're complete in him. He says that every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ. If those things are true, that means I don't need Mother God because I have everything in Christ. So I would encourage you guys, if you're hearing that message being taught to you, you that you must believe in Mother God or you cannot be saved, just go to places like Colossians. Colossians 2, I think it's 2.18, where it says you're complete in Christ. If I'm complete in Christ alone, that means Mother God can't give me anything that I don't already have. Ephesians 1, the first couple of verses talk about how every spiritual blessing has been given to us. Uh, again, Colossians, that says that all the fullness of God is in Christ. If all those things are true, if all the fullness of God is in Christ, if we're complete in Him, if we have every spiritual blessing in Jesus, that means if I have Jesus, I have everything, and I don't need Mother God. I understand and I appreciate you saying that and I know you're coming from that from a conviction of yours But I'm just challenging you in love like I've, I've posed several different questions here that you guys haven't really answered And I haven't really seen you're, you're telling me that I must receive mother God to be saved But I'm not really seeing you establishing that from the scriptures and so that's where I'm, I'm lovingly challenging you guys You see to, okay, can you come over can you come with us? See, again, I, I brought up these challenges. I reminded them. I put it straight to them and said, listen, I'm bringing these things up. I'm, I'm telling you these verses and you just won't answer. Like I'm telling, I'm asking genuine questions. And rather than answering me, you, you, you divert the conversation. And so I said that again here. And what he says is, well, come to a Bible study, come to a Bible study with us as if, oh, there, they're going to get the answers. And it's like, well, why would I go to a Bible study when, when you can't, answer simple questions and, and, and uh, give me, yeah, or at least try, you know, at least acknowledge the things I'm saying um, rather than just diverting. And so I would, I would love to go to a Bible study and, and sit in um, on those conversations. But uh, the last time, I mean, honestly, the last time me and Jesse went to the church, uh, the local World Mission Society Church of God, we were, we were kicked out um, they made us leave. Um, and so that, that's fine. Like I, I guess I understand they see us 
some in some form as a threat. Um, and so we don't, you know, again, we love we love them. We're not trying to threaten or um, destroy, you know, their walk with God. We just we just we do love them. We we're con- so concerned for the members and the people that they're bringing into their Bible studies and didn't just people that don't know the Bible. So these things will come across as convincing and solid biblically, but really they're just, they're not, they're, they, if, if you know the Bible, you'll see that their arguments are just false. And, and so, um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, as you watch back through this video, it was just um, somewhat frustrating that uh, he did not ever answer when I just put questions straight to him. Okay. I, I tried to explain with you know that God is three and one. Uh-huh. So he cannot talk by his own self. Let us. He can and he can though. There, okay. I mean it is logical okay, okay. because Okay, so this is this is interesting. I can't play that that full uh, exchange there, but basically he went back to Genesis and he said, see God says let us and, and God can't talk to himself, so there must have been uh, a mother God there. So he kind of went back to Genesis there. Um, so this is where I kind of went into like Trinitarian doctrine. And so again, where we, I believe that in Genesis, we're seeing a reference when, when God says, let us make man in our image. Obviously there's a plurality there involved in the creation. I believe most likely that was God the Father and Jesus communicating. They were involved in the creation. Um, and so, but he's trying to argue that since God says, let us, well, God can't be talking to himself. And so that must be Mother God. Something I wish I would have said here is brought up the fact that Jesus prays to the Father in the New Testament. You see Jesus praying to the Father, you see Jesus obeying the Father. Well, how can, well, they, they believe that Jesus and the Father are the same. They're the same person. They're, they're the same, um, they're one. Like there's no, there's no division of, of personhood there. So my question is, if you're saying God can't talk to himself is what he just said, well, I'd say, well, who is Jesus praying to? How is Jesus praying to the Father when he himself is the Father? Um, that, that just shows that there's, there's issues there with their uh, their doctrine and what he's saying. Okay, so I'm just going to jump here to sort of the end. Sort of, I mean, we continue going, but there's this point where he sort of started getting more upset. He said he. See, so why does it say he and she? Or why doesn't it say they? Why, why the, the, from the beginning of the world, the Bible would just... Right? But later on, two. Well, I'm saying is only... is one God creating them. There, weren't, there wasn't a mother God and a father God. Because he says he, right? He doesn't say they. Two, two images. Just a focus on two images. But where does it say in that that mother God helped in creating? Because it says he. Two images. Look. Two images. Where two is images. The, where's the two images? Look. When he said, God said, let us make man, mankind in our... Our. Is that one? No, that's plural, right? Okay, so let's focus but on But again, I'm saying Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three different... Per- that's oh, what I'm okay. saying. How okay. can you say it? Look, okay. <clears throat> yep. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's our males. Yeah. Oh, right. You see that? You see that? Exactly, yeah. Father, it's a male or female? So this this goes back to what I was, you know, I dealt more with in the last video where he just kind of went back to the idea of... 
there's there's female and there's male human beings, and that means there must be two two images of God. Um, and, and this this argument is just it fails so quickly because um, Genesis clearly says there's one there's one image of God that that both male and female aspects of humanity were made in one image. And he even uses the word images, plural. And that just shows that he's not actually being faithful to what the Bible, what Genesis says. He's not interpreting, he's not bringing this doctrine out of a place of genuinely looking at what the Bible says, because the Bible says there's image, one image. And Adam and Eve both were made in one image. Yes, there wasn't, you know, God said, let us make man in our image. So there's that plurality, but... Whatever that means, however you take that, we know that there was one image and there was one God, and He was only He only ever was referred to in singular uh, or, or in, in masculine terms with a singular single image that uh, mankind was created in. And so, if you want to know more about that, just watch the last video. I went I uh, focused on that a little bit more. So again, I see what you're saying here, but but, but it, let's look. Two images. Right? Yeah, 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 I know. Like uh, he, you said, he. See, so why does it say he and she, or why doesn't say they? Why, why the, the from the beginning of the world, the Bible just just try no, to explain you according to the you, prophecies. Can you answer that though? Why do, why doesn't it say he and she created them, or why doesn't say? They, yeah, man, we're not gonna agree with this, all right? Yep. So we're not. That's gonna fine. I'm just. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm not. If you yeah. if you want to study, it's alright. If not, it's okay too. Okay, but. Okay, so there there you have that. That's. I mean, this is. There's still quite a bit of the conversation left, but this is a point I think he he started getting to the point where he was getting more frustrated, and he walked away for a moment, and then I was able to focus more on the other two guys that were there who were definitely had not been in the church as long, and they were more in the background during the conversation, and, and I was able to talk with them a little bit more um, and kind of share the gospel, what the true gospel is, and um, encourage them to kind of think about these things. I talked about, you know, the book with uh, Ong Song Hong that Ong Song Hong wrote where he directly refuted the idea that there's a mother God. And, and he said, this isn't just for that time, but it's forever that this is a true thing, that, that there is no mother God. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's something that if anybody has that book, please, please, please send that to us. Um, we, we would even be willing to pay something for that. We really want to get a hold of that book. Um, I know it's very hard to get a hold of. Um, but if you have that, if you have like the green book, the, the evidence books, we're, we, we're getting photocopies of some of those, but we would really love to have the actual copies so we can have them here and show that the members that we're actually reading from their own books and, and be able to address certain things from them. Um, but as you see here, sort of how the conversation left is, again, I, I just gave a simple question. I said, why, why in Genesis, when it's talking about the creation of man, doesn't it say, uh, he and she, like both father and mother created them. Why does it say he created them? Male and female, he created them. You know, it, it, it's very, the Bible, Genesis is, is very, uh, uh, makes, um, makes it sure that there is only one God involved in creation, one being of God, and that he's referred to only in single uh, or, or in masculine terms. There's only one God, one image, um, and so I was just asking, why why in Genesis, if God the Mother is really true, and that's what it's trying to say, why didn't it say both he and she created them, or or he created them in their images, right? Like, like both mother and father's images. It doesn't say that. It says they were created in his and God and masculine, him, his, his image, single. So I was just simply asking, why is that? 
And he got, he was just increasing. when I'd ask him simple questions like that, he would get, he was getting angry. He was getting upset, which doesn't really make sense as I listen back through, because I don't feel like the tone of my voice. Um, I was just conversating. Uh, I feel like calmly and, um, and, uh, but he obviously did not have answers for the things I was asking him. And so it was making him uncomfortable and angry. And then he, he was just kind of saying, you know, we're not going to argue. We're not going to argue, which I don't think we are arguing. I think I was just asking questions and conversating. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's as far as I want to go for this video. Again, if you want to listen to that full dialogue, you can find the link in our, uh, in the description of this video. Um, yeah, again, um, we're hoping to continue to release more videos, so please subscribe to our channel. That helps us out. Um, let us know in the comments what about these videos is helping you or, or what videos you think we can make in the future to uh, to help you out, to answer things that you're, you might be struggling with or questions you might have. Um, and also, we're, we're hoping to do some uh, interviews with, with former members here in the future. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching the videos, again, you can find links to a podcast version, uh, an audio-only version of these videos that is in the link uh, in, in the description of this video. So if you don't want to watch videos, if you want to just listen podcasts while you're driving or, what, or whatever, you can, just, you can do that. We do that for all of our videos. And the same for you listening on podcast form if you want to watch video versions of this. We have a YouTube channel. You can find not only videos uh, about the World Mission Society, but different sermons we've done. And, uh, uh, and then also one of the main things we do, um, as I said in the last video, is we make films. We're a filmmaking ministry is kind of our primary thing. We just released a, a full-length documentary that, that tells the true story. It's an interview of a, an, a drug dealer, an ex-drug dealer and a criminal. He was basically addicted to violence for most of his life. And he just had a powerful uh, story of being transformed by Jesus. And, and, uh, and so this is a full-length movie that you can watch for free on our YouTube channel. We, we will put a, uh, a short little two-minute trailer for that in the description so you can kind of see what it's about. But um, yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll be blessed by those. And, and we look forward to uh, future videos.